Welcome to the Copy Room Chat, the podcast for educators just like you. Do you want to gain quick tips and tools to use in your classroom? This podcast is brought to you by the Practical Teachers and hosted by me, Renee Hirano and Amy Youngren. We are both educators and moms with 20 years of experience in education. Do you want to thrive, not just survive in your classroom? Then join us for a quick chat in the copy room. Hey teachers, welcome back to the copy room. I'm your host Renee Hirano along with Amy Youngren. This week's episode will be a little different than those we've done in the past. For two weeks, Amy and I, we've been trying to figure out what was the, what topic was the most appropriate? Um, what were we going to do next for the podcast? And what is something teachers need right now? And we just kept bumping up against an elephant in the room, an elephant in the classroom, if you, if you might think of it that way. Mm-hmm. And so we decided it's important to address it. So today we want to chat about how are educators feeling right now? What is happening in education? How is that impacting educators? And I say educators, and I really mean like a whole, the whole system, mm-hmm. you know, classroom teachers, but I also mean administrators, things like that. Mm-hmm. And we know at this time in the year, we have the normal cycle of teaching where we can be really kind of in survival mode. You know, the school started, you know, there's that sort of arc that happens throughout the year, the ebbs and flows, but this is something different. It feels different. It sounds different. And, um, you know, even in the school, it just feels different from, from the people that I talk with, like the people in our, in our circles, the people in our communities. And, um, here's some advice that Amy and I want to take today. And it says like, there's only one way to eat an elephant and that, and we know it's just eating one bite at a time. Right. And so we just kind of wanted to get together today to chat, to talk about what, what is happening? What are the factors that are impacting teachers' efficacy, teachers' emotions, teachers, you know, everything about teaching right now and what's mm-hmm. happening? And like you said, the whole system, not just the classroom teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Like how are principals yeah. feeling and right. how is the district people feeling and how are charter schools feeling? And, right. you know, um, and you might wear different hats in there or how are you feeling as a parent? Right. So, Yep. Um, and so Amy and I kind of, we've been asking this question to, to our friends, family, and co-workers. Really, we've been talking about she and I. We've had many conversations about this, truly trying to nail it down. And so here are just a couple, four, three, four things that we thought of that could be factors. But we realize also this is not an exhaustive list. We realize that something may be true for you, but another thing may not be true for you. Right. Um, but I think the first is this idea of identity and a teacher's identity. And when you think of yourself and what identities you carry, right, and your identity as a teacher, what does it make you think about? And I, I had this conversation with a colleague that really made me think about what, how, what is her identity as a teacher does she see herself, if you're a teacher, as you need to be overwhelmed or you need to be so busy, you have so much to do and 
you have to have everything perfect in your room and you have to be on all these committees and you have to be reaching out to a million parents. And, you know, what is the identity of a teacher? And if, if you're not doing those things, does it change your identity? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Amy, I'm, Amy knows this about me. I'm a person that I, I, I don't have a lot of type A. I am sort of, um, I can definitely get worried about things and have some anxiety about things, but you know, for the most part, I'm pretty even keeled. And so there's been times this year where I have been busy, but there's other times where I, I kind of can go with the flow, but I see people around me who are, you know, just go, 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 go all the time. Yeah. And I don't think one of us is better than the other, but I also worry about people who are go, go all the time, feeling overwhelmed all the time, because I, I think that can't feel great. And I think that there has to be some balance and there, you know, not being busy or not, not, I want to say the word's not busy, right? No, it's not feeling overwhelmed isn't bad. Right. But I think sometimes the identity in education and the culture of education is if you're not if you're not overwhelmed, if you don't have 10 million things to do, let me give you something to do. I can you're not you doing, you're not, to do, right? Yeah, you're and not doing enough. Mm-hmm. You're not doing enough or you don't care or you don't know what to do. And, you know, it's a gross generalization, but I think sometimes we, we take it on that way, right? We, we take on the fact that I should be doing a million things all the time. Mm-hmm. And that can be true some of the time, but it can't be true all of the time to sustain ourselves. As well, educators. Right. right. And there's a there's a shift now. It's different this year than it ever has been. We're in a new place than we've ever been before. So I do think there's gotta be a shift to our identities as educators potentially and taking that into account, this feeling of overwhelm or this identity as needing to be overwhelmed. We we have a new take on that now because mm-hmm. of what we've all been through over the last two years. Right. If you think about last year and, you know, I can probably speak for many, many educators. You didn't teach the same way you'd ever taught. Right. No matter if it was your first year or it was your 35th year. Right. And that, you know, I don't want to be in that overwhelm. So I like that idea of that, this idea that we need to shift. We, in some ways, you know, and we talk about this, we talk about going back to normal and I'm making air quotes again, again, in this episode, but we, I, we can't go back. No, we have to go forward. Right. And we can make that identity or we can help shape that identity as something perhaps healthier for us. Right. I think that's what's key right now. And I think that might be part of what we're feeling and how educators are feeling and what we're starting to sense from our friends and colleagues is this I don't think we expected to have to take that step of shifting that identity. I think we all went into it like, oh, it's just going to go back to normal. We go back to something yeah. normal that doesn't exist. So I think, I think that's definitely one of the one of the factors. I'm I'm also sensing this when I talk to friends and family and um, other educators and parents in the community. People are tired of this. There's like a <laughs> fatigue of this pandemic. I mean, I know I don't. I'm. I, I don't need to say that to anyone who's listening. We all feel it. But there, energy at the beginning that we can do this, and this resilience that I think fueled us all, 
and we were able to work off each other's energy on that and really, really come through it in a fabulous way. And we saw so much growth socially and emotionally with kids, but, but now we're, we're tired. Now it's like, okay, I'm tired of being resilient. I just want to um, go back, like we said, to this quote unquote normal. Yeah. And then there's this whiplash. We, we've talked about that a lot too. Yeah, like, right. It's back to normal. It's not back to normal. It's open. It's closed. It's, it's restricted. It's not. And so there's this whiplash of, we start to feel this. We never know what to expect. And humans, I think in general, especially educators don't love to live in that place of uncertainty. I love to plan. I love to know what's next. I love to know what I can control and I can work with that. And now we're having to work in this place where I, we're not going to get that. We've got all these, um, we've got a lot of missed learning from the last year, potentially both academic and social emotional learning. So mm. we have, a, yeah, we've, we're coming back into these classrooms as very different um, children and very different adults. And, and teachers have been tasked with like, closing these learning gaps, that's a big ask, um, given what every, everybody's going through. It's not just simple, just go back to normal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think about. it's funny you say that because it's, I mean, I don't think we say it enough. I don't think we acknowledge it enough that we are in, we do have the fatigue from it, that we're still, there are still remnants of it. And right. We've never had this before. And so, you know, we know as educators that new learning does get tiring, right? And this might this is not a learning of our choosing, right? But right. we're learning to live through this pandemic. We know we always talk about this, Amy, about I can remember when it first started, I was like, we can do anything for six months. Like right. in my mind, I had like <laughs> six months is like the cutoff. You know right. what I mean? Right. Right. You're like, I can do anything for this amount of time. And so I think. I love what you said about like at the beginning of the year, we were so excited to go back into the classroom, which we all love. Right. Mm -hmm. But we didn't anticipate the wear and tear it's taking on us as humans. Right. Right. This wear and tear that's human that we didn't have. We, we haven't had to carry around before. Yes. You know? Um, and so I think, yes, pandemic yeah. fatigue for sure is yes. maybe just like the, straw that breaks your back right it's not it might be that you think of all the time but for sure and this is one of those things we can't control so I think that makes mm. it even harder because yeah. this isn't a topic that we can discuss and fix it's not going anywhere so it's right. just a new muscle that we all have to grow oh I love that new muscle yeah and I think what comes goes along with that fatigue is then this whole public perceptions public opinions, public's, yep. you know, ability to weigh in on all things, everything, right? And so I think in collective, I think another thing that is hard in education is that, you know, I always tell people this, you know, we were in some ways, public schools anyway, were a little bit insulated from, in the past, were insulated from public opinion, right? Because it felt kind of far removed. And right. it wasn't right in your classroom. And we have stepped into a new era where people were in our classrooms at, all the time and people have opinions and people um, 
talk about what they need from schools and what they want from schools and what teachers should be doing and what these should be doing and all these opinions that valid, not valid, right. are not, imp- I, 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 I hesitate to say important, but it's not what goes into my day-to-day thinking about how I'm going to teach students, right? Very I'm true. not questioning the validity of people's opinions or needs as a family, as a, you know, a single mom working or two dads or any of those things. I'm not, I'm not questioning that, but I'm also like, I've never had so many opinions about how I right. should be in my classroom, all the things I should be doing in my classroom, all the, when, from people that maybe don't know exactly right. what is happening in my classroom. Right. I, I, I think what's new is we're, we're traveling out of our lanes a bit now. <laughs> yes. Right. And uh, you know, I, I would love to say along the way I became a, a doctor or a scientist, but I didn't, it's not <laughs> right. my lane. Right. Even right. though I read studies about it and I learn about it, I'm not an expert on pandemics. Right. Never, never, right. Ha- never, never have been, never will be. Right. So, um, but I think, I think that's wearing on people, you know, I think the ability for random people sort of to make decisions about, um, I don't say random people, but we have people that are non-educators making decisions about instruction or what feels like instruction. And that's kind of hard. Right. And I think, um, yeah, you know, I think it's also, um, you, you want to explain to people, you try to reason with people, but not everybody has the same scheme and not everyone has the same background as you. It's kind of like when my doctor or my veterinarian tells me what I need for my dog and then says, what do you want to do? And I'm like, whatever you say, right. right? I just not my, like, I want you to save the dog. Right. So right. I'm like, the, the number at the end doesn't really matter because it seems all important to me if you told it to me. That's right. A, that's a and so I point. think, you know, we're, I think as educators, we just want people to listen to what we're saying and listen to the struggles that we're having that would like, like you said, Amy, that might be new. Their children may be exhibiting new behaviors that they never saw before, right. that we've never seen before, because they're dealing with the social emotional aspect of this pandemic in a way that we didn't anticipate. Right. Right. And so I think, um, yeah, a little bit more uh, grace. I think that's a good word that you use in terms of, I think sometimes like just blocking out public opinion, to be honest with you. Like it's another don't, thing we can't control, right? Yeah. Like don't, don't read everything on Facebook or in Instagram or, you know, don't look mm. at every Pinterest classroom as like, that's what your classroom has to look like. Right. But I mean, I think it's just really about, you know, insulating yourself to the point where you can do what you need in the classroom. And that's not, weighing in every day on what you think. That's a good point. I like that insulating yourself. I do think that's something that this is another factor that, that I think we've heard over and over. And it's this new, uh, new take that we have on our work-life balance and Mm. the new experiences we have in our home life and our personal family, family life. The pandemic brought us to a whole new level there and I think across across all industries, um, not just as education, we've had a shift in what our family values may look like and what things are important to us and what needs people may have in our family, what needs we have to ourselves. 
And I, so I think it's changed the values that drive us potentially. And in terms of insulating ourselves from this public opinion, I think those things go hand in hand. That's one thing we may have learned is that I need to insulate myself from the public opinion. I need to only take on the things that I can control. And one of the things I can control are the values that run my home life, right? Yeah. Values that run my family. And how are we going to go back into our jobs now, um, but still carry all of those um, things that we've learned from the pandemic with us? And how can I hold both of those things at the same time? Um, yeah, I think, pressure. Yeah. Well, and I think home work-life balance is always a struggle. Sure. But I think you really hit it on the head when you said, you know, pandemic might have put things in perspective for people. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking about how much more flexible works were That's last a good point. year. Yeah. Right? And maybe what your expectation of your work is or your child who was however they were learning last year, they, how was your work for them? How was their school for them? And I think, you know, we've got this new ability for flexibility. Can there be more balance? How do right. I, how do I maintain that balance? Right. You know, something... Right. And how do I ensure that I don't, I don't, I don't want to go back to not having a work-life balance? I, or how do I get into a better work-life balance if you've still struggled at getting a work-life balance? But I do think, you know, it's, it, 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 it felt like, or it seemed like last year, there was tons of flexibility, which I know some people did not have and, you know, all of those things, but I, heard more things of places with, with the ability to be flexible right are we going back to the rigidity or are we saying yeah we need to be flexible you know mm-hmm. i think i always think about this amy you know where teachers you know we we get on an allotted amount of sick days and personal days and life happens we all know what it's like to make sub plans mm-hmm. and we all know what it's like to like plan to be gone right But we need those days. We need to use those days. They're there for a purpose. Just because part of our contract or part of our time is in the summer seems like it's off, right? Because it is off, right? But that doesn't mean no one gets sick in the other nine months that I'm working. It doesn't mean that I don't need to go to the doctor. It doesn't mean that I don't need to spend time with an elderly parent or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, I, I know we all feel guilty for taking a day off. We, mm-hmm. we, I can't, I have to be there. But we, part of identity, but part of this balance is like saying, I have these days for a reason. I know there's sub shortages. I know that there's a million things going on with that. Right. But that, you can't control that. What you need to do is take care of yourself, take care of your family, whatever that looks like, take care of, you know, the people that are important to you. And I'm not, telling anyone yeah. to go on vacation for a week but what i'm saying is that <laughs> you we do right it's so important you know that we really do that Take such a good ourselves. reminder such a good reminder so um I, yeah go ahead no you go i think that you know we one thing that we've just kind of to summarize these factors i think 
we know that when we have little or no control over our day-to-day, over our environment, that is when things seem harder and that's when we get more overwhelmed. So you and I talked about, can we identify a process? Can we find a process to identify why I'm feeling overwhelmed and why I feel this way? And if there's a practical tip we could walk away with today, um, what, what would that, you know, what would that be? So I think, I think we just wanted to give people some ideas, some simple tips to get our reflection started, right? Like I think even acknowledging you're overwhelmed or acknowledging that you're feeling some type of way, right? So mine is um, I make a list of everything I have to do. When I notice that I'm frozen and I'm not moving forward and I'm, I'm in the same space, I just make a list of everything I have to do then I can actually discern what to do next. Right. But I just have to make a list and literally I will, it won't just be work and you could just make it work, but it will be work, home, everything. I just list it out. I feel like I get it off my chest and then I can do something. I love this. It's you, we don't, when we feel out of control, what's going to get us back to center so we can do something. Right. That's perfect. When we talked about this idea of sometimes what's hard and and you say you get frozen, that happens to me too. I get overwhelmed. And so I get paralyzed. And so we need to identify what that next step might be. And if we're feeling overwhelmed, the first step would be to identify why. So if you can picture, we were visualizing a flow chart of sorts. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, can you identify the top three things that are pushing you there, that are pushing you over the edge? And then when you've identified those top three things, can you pick one? What's the top one? What's the top one that you want to address? Is this something that you can control, right? If that top thing is pandemic unknowns, I can't control that. So I'm going to have to go back and pick something different. But if the one thing that is pushing me to the edge is something that I can control, then I can address it. So if I had a magic wand, what is the one thing in my world right now that's making me overwhelmed that I would fix? If that's in my control, let's get at it. That's the first bite of the elephant, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Let's get that thing under control. If it's not it's something that you can control, and we got to go back and pick one that we can. And I think that helps us feel so much better once we have just taken that first step. So I tried, I had um, someone give me this advice years and years ago um, when I, had my second, second child. And so I had two in the home and it's kind of hard to figure out where to start. And I've had that feeling many times in my life and career. And sometimes you just have to do the next right thing, just the next right thing. I don't know what's going to come after that yet. I'm just going to take this first step. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's great. And, you know, I think even listing it and acknowledging it Yes. Helps you keep it in control because you're just acknowledging that it's there. So, yes. well, thanks again for joining us and we'll chat again soon. Thanks again for joining us here at Copy Room Chat. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and click the button so you don't miss any of the chat. And remember, head over to www.thepracticalteachers.com dot com for more resources and to sign up for our monthly newsletter.